is about little people. Hey guys, this is Brandon here. We have a great episode coming up for you. But before we get into that, I just wanted to tell you about our members group. We have a new members group that is going to have all kinds of extra benefits. So I would love for you to join our community because that's what we're trying to establish here. We want to have a community around this podcast. We want to explore the strange and the unexplained and the supernatural altogether. So check out our community. It's at unrefinedpodcast.com. Hey, 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 everybody. It's us back. And with me is the great and infamous Lindsay Waters, the man with a plan. So what we want to get into today is it's a big topic, and that pun is intended, and it's uh, it's about little people, but not the kind of little people you're thinking about when you hear this. The, the, the little people we're talking about are more, well, how would you describe it, Lindsay? They're not, they're not what people used to politically incorrect call midgets. We're not talking about those kind of little people. Um, I hate that term, but I had to use it here. We're talking about what kind of little people are we talking about today, Lindsay? Well, I think we're going into the more folkloric, supernatural... Mythical. Earth dwellers. Yeah. Gnome-type beings that seem to exist in just about every culture. And yeah. Have a lot of the same characteristics. So that must come from somewhere. And yeah, we just wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up Gnome because that'll get into, you know, what we're going to talk about in a few seconds is size. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited about this. Uh, it's, a, it's a topic that's not explored very much in our realm. Um, it's here and there, but it's it's not really explored very much and also the cool thing about this topic is it's so vast it's so big you know and i think that's just so ironic that it's such a such a big topic for such small people if they're if they're people people at all but uh i did what i did i did say mythical earlier and i want to caveat that um what we're going to talk about is you know they're in the mythos of these different cultures but yet we seem to think that they might possibly exist in real life yeah and so we're gonna we're gonna explore that possibly you know some of the roots and all that kind of stuff so cultures today that seem to think they exist and speak of them in present tense and you know you know it's fascinating i I saw on i think it was on one of my channels on instagram it anyway it was somewhere on social media it was a picture of like an Egyptian, um, no, it wasn't. It was South American, and it had a god with a beak, like a bird bird head, and all these different, you know, just like a typical hieroglyphic of like a god. And then it showed the same thing, almost identical in Mesopotamia. And and yeah. that just blows me away. We, we're going to get into little people, because this, this does apply to that. But it blows me away that, how does that happen? I mean, almost down to the to the same details, these two diagrams are, and it's just no humanly way possible, except to be explain that it, at some point in time, possibly there was all one landmass and it was separated by the flood, or yeah. I don't know, I don't know what that the different theories of that is Pangea or I don't know anyway, but, but it's just, it's not a coincidence that these things look almost identical. And so what I thought we would start with is what are some of the, the common characteristics of the various little people? Okay. Well, for one, they're little, (laughs) they're, (laughs) diminutive in stature um, all right well let's let's stop there that's a question that's a huge question that that i have that maybe you can shed some light on with me in my research i i, I didn't really get a definite answer all right when we say little 
let's set a parameter. What is little? Little is six inches. Little is two foot. Are we talking a hobbit? Are we talking that fairy tale where they go to lily putt? I mean, what are we talking about here by little people? Well, man, just I, I didn't come across any standard size there, but significantly shorter than the average human. I mean, yeah, yeah, at least child size, sometimes smaller. I mean, it, yeah. So, so yeah. what would be? Yeah, so it, it could possibly be because you know there's a place in uh, Connecticut is where this guy built this. Uh, um, I forget the town in Connecticut, and. He built this little village that's been since abandoned, and it's actually, you can go check it out. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's trespassing to check it out, so if you go there and get arrested, don't blame me. But it was basically a village for little people, and the buildings he built were look, they look more like for like people like, you know, like that cartoon show, The Littles, like yeah, three, four, five, six inch type mm-hmm. people and, and stuff, and um, you know, and then... And then we we talked about, and we're going to talk about creatures that are like maximum three foot, two three foot pygmy type, and and so yeah, I just want to kind of establish that like kind of foundation of what we're talking about, you know, and and I guess you have. There's really no consistent size, I guess, but I I seem to think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that most of the mythos or most of the legends of these little people are usually more little child, uh, two to three foot to four, yeah. maybe even four foot size. Yeah. Huh? I, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. it's, they seem to be about child toddler size to most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so yeah, there's the, the stature. That's the obvious commonality there, but yeah. Was this association with living, in or under the earth, whether it's a mountain or a mound or mines or or any of that. Um, the whole the dwarf. Gnome. Yeah. The dwarf. Yeah. But even the term gnome, I found out, is a fair, might be a fairly new term that was coined by a guy named Paracelsus. He was a Renaissance era 1500s philosopher i think he's from yeah. switzerland he actually yeah. wrote a book on elemental spirits spirits yep um and you know he dabbled in the occult so yeah put your grains of salt eat the meat spit out the bones yada yada yeah. but yeah he um he may have coined the term gnome um he also used the term pygmy the old greek term we're going to get into them more um and he yeah. probably just got it from the Greek term gay namas, which just means earth dweller. Um, it mm. sounds like he was just using an old Greek term or maybe even coining a Greek term. You know, the, the Renaissance guys were really into recapturing the old um, Greek and Roman knowledge. So, yeah, so yeah. he may have coined that term or it, it doesn't seem to have been written down before him. but. Regardless, the idea he got from ancient cultures. So, yeah, either way, he uses the term gnome and pygmy, but he may have t- coined the term gnome. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It, it uh, You know, our image of a gnome is usually, uh, I hate to admit this, is like the typical garden gnome that you see, like yeah. little statues people put in. They have the bright red hat, the beard, and they're almost dwarvish you know, dwarfish in in, in, yeah. a, in a way. And it'd be, I'd be curious to where they got that uniform from. Uh, yeah, the hat. It, yeah, it seems pretty consistent as far as when you, when you think of a no. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, in other areas and, and places, the gnomes and dwarves are distinguished like as two different creatures. Yeah. Yeah, that's where, I mean, there's so many of them, and sometimes they, terms are used interchangeably. Sometimes there is a distinction, you know, it's just such an expansive thing. It's kind of like talking about giants, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But, so yeah, I guess another common characteristic is just, they're kind of seen as builders, 
Hmm. And cultural heroes, meaning they they pass on knowledge um, to human beings. What does that sound like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so they're not really typically benevolent, right? They're benevolent, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're not malevolent, um, but they can be. Are Common they more like? Thing I thought is if they they don't like to be seen. A lot of times, if you see them, a lot of times they'll they'll. Uh, do mischievous or even downright evil things to you. Um, kidnapping and murder are more common things. Yeah, I was going to get into that in a, in a minute about yeah the, the stories of that. Um, so my question is, you know, you talked about Paracelsus, and that's his name? Uh, the, uh, the, um, Paracelsus. Um, yeah, Paracelsus. Uh, I mean, I've heard of him before this this conversation. I knew he was an occultist in the Renaissance. Now, what is the connection that he drew between the little people and the elemental spirits? Well, he just says, I can just read some of his uh, a book on nymphs, silks, pygmies, etc. here in a translation. Um, Their abode is of four kinds, namely, according to the four elements, one in water, one in the air, one in the earth, and one in the fire. Quick sidebar. Sword and Staff podcast. Um, they still have all the episodes up, certainly on their, their old website. Um, they did several episodes on this. I know they did one on the Fae or Fairies that hmm. where they did kind of a deep dive on, on elementals and have a lot of cool information about them. Check them out. They're yeah, they're no longer at least for now, a podcast, but I think all their episodes are still up. Sword and Staff podcast, Josh Robinson, Richie Brock. Name. Yeah, Richie Brock. Sorry, Richie. Forgot your last name. Yeah, they, they talk about this a lot. Um, if you want to know more about it. Those in the water are nymphs. Those in the air are sylphs. Those yeah. on the are pygmies, and later he uses the term nomi. Um those huh. in the fire are salamanders. I don't know what the connection with the amphibious creature is yeah. there, but yeah. But yeah, he just—they're just beings associated with what used to be called the four elements. Uh, man, we could even get into the biblical elemental spirits or basic principles. Sometimes that literally just means basic things. That's the way it's used in Hebrews. I want to say. Um. Well, what about Colossians? Did, did, didn't Colossians, Paul talk about? Yeah, yeah. Colossians. I think he's talking about elemental, and Paul seems to assume they're all bad. They're all fallen. Um, yeah. Some people I think maybe even Josh and Richie entertain this idea that there's kind of a a good benevolent counterpart to the bad ones, and you know I'm not going to say they're wrong about that. It may be, but I right. I, I don't see any evidence for that, but but. Again, they could be, you know, it's one of those things well, we don't well, we don't know every spiritual being, right? every supernatural being, and the Bible doesn't give us details about every single one of them, so we just can't put too fine a point on it from a biblical perspective. Yeah. Well, well you know, I've always thought the little people, they might be benevolent, that they've always been characterized as tricksters or yeah prank pranksters or uh is that a fair assumption is that is that in your research have you noticed that that's kind yeah. of a classification or a commonality yeah I, I would say so they um they're mischievous yeah actually yeah. if you tick them off in some way uh they'll, they'll ruin stuff there's actually a story i found Elton John, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Alushes, Alushob, that's the plural in the Mayan tongue, apparently. Um, the Mayan version of, of little people, and apparently most people, when they come and do concerts in this certain Mexican city, <laughs> pay little offerings to the, to the Alushes and... Apparently Elton John didn't, and there was some huge collapse of his stage or something like that. Um, 
And this is documented, huh? I mean, you can go on yes. Google and, and, and find yeah, this right. out, huh? Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't do the uh, scientific correlation to it, but it, it is an interesting coincidence that, yeah, he didn't pay homage to him, but yet he had problems. Yeah, yeah here he so. goes. Yucatan Magazine. So what's an alouche and did AMLO make it angry? <laughs> um, President Obregon also. Um, not Obregon. Who is this? Obrador. I'm sorry. Andres yeah. Manuel Lopez Obrador. Um, the is he the current president of Mexico? I don't keep up with their. No, I, I only the last president of Mexico I remember is Valencia. Um, Vicente Vi, Fox. Yeah, yeah, Vicente. Yeah. Anyway. He uh, put out a picture of them, uh, of, of an alleged something in a tree. It looks pretty creepy um, in the wow. same magazine article. Um, yeah. but he says, I share two photos of our supervision of the Maya train works. One taken by an engineer three days ago, apparently from an alouche. Another by Diego Prieto of a splendid pre-Hispanic sculpture in Ekbalan. Everything is mystical. Um, the location of the shot was not disclosed, but it was somewhere along the construction route of President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador's pet project, the Maya train. The unusual post got media. Okay, so this this doesn't. I don't know if this mentions Elton John or not. I know I found him earlier somewhere. Um, well, it's it's in there, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Elton John's concert stage collapsed in twenty ten. <laughs> After Aluches were not consulted by organizers, many people still yeah. believe the oversight is responsible for the near disaster just days before the performance at Chichen Itza. Wow, that's one of the old uh, important sites there. Um, yeah. Yeah. His organizers skipped the tradition of asking the Aluches for permission to hold a concert on sacred ground. So, yeah. These beings are still sort of propitiated by Mexicans and Mexicans of Mayan descent. You know, they're assumed to still be around. Um, and so, yeah, this isn't this isn't the distant past to, to people. Um, this, these are beings that are still around and. They never needed reenchantment like we do. They, you know, they just always assumed these things to, you know, the, the Maya and, and other cultures. Um, well, yeah, that's what's that's where they are at an advantage in a, to us in a lot of ways. We've, yeah, we've, we've, uh, according to Boltman, we've sort of demythalized, um, our, uh, everything. You know, the supernatural yeah. and everything in Western culture, whereas the a lot of the the people in the other two thirds of the world they haven't. They still have a supernatural worldview even to this day, and uh, and it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's value. It, it it tends to lead to superstition because they don't have a lot of them don't have the the power of Christ or the yeah. biblical worldview to to have authority or insight into that but at the same time they do have a greater understanding of how the supernatural world yeah. works or how the unseen works and uh i think i think it's valuable yeah i mean yeah it, it, anything i think we can use the what did jesus say you are not far from the kingdom people who have a supernatural worldview to me god can reach yeah. anything anyone i was yes agnostic before i knew christ and very skeptical about everything um but and there's just something about people who know there's a world behind our world and beings in that world that just yeah. make people closer to the kingdom and once they discover christ and how he's lord of that world and defeated some of the those entities that have enslaved them in that world. I mean, it's just, man. Yeah. Christ they, is the victor. They yep. see something more powerful and they run to it. Something, someone rather, sorry. 
Well, that just reminds me of old missionary stories of bless their hearts. I'm going to show them Southern. Bless their hearts. These, these, I guess, plain Jane evangelicals run into these mission fields and the witch doctors have power and the, the Christians are don't have the faith to be able to combat that. They don't have, they can't be the Elijah, so to speak, to combat the prophets of Baal. You know, yeah. and I think that's that that is a excellent an excellent argument for the continuation of the spiritual gifts and the need of them. Um, but even in a post Christian nation like America, there's still a need for them. You know, yeah. in particular. Yeah. But yeah, let's just shoot that rabbit. Get back to talking about the little people. Let's talk about some of the the different little people from different cultures. You know, we we. Are there any more common characteristics that you want to bring up? Uh, I think you hit most of them. Yeah, I think I did. Um, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to pee them off. You don't want to make them mad. Because um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the some of them, you know, uh, there's a mischievousness, a prankster. They're small, two to three feet average. I have a question I'm going to ask in a minute or two that just got brought up, because, but it, this is really not a good place for it. But uh, So tell us about the different little people from different cultures. Do you have any certain cultures you want to bring up and talk about? Well, I mean, we talked about the Alush, so I may as well start with them. They're the okay. Mayan version. Yeah. Now explain to everybody, where, where is where is Mayan territory? In, well, is it mostly, mostly around, Mexico? They were all over kind of southern and, and the central part of Mexico at one time, but they were especially concentrated kind of in that Yucatan. And, you know, they were in Guatemala and Honduras as well. They were Mayan people. Okay. So, uh, they were never, as far as I knew, a unified culture. It was like city-states. But uh, they, share, they share a common language, though. They were like Greeks. They had, they yeah. had a common, well, common language, but different, yeah. Little Mayan language is still spoken. Um, wow. But um, Mayan languages, rather, there's different yeah. dialects. Yeah, dialects, yeah. Yeah, they were one of the earliest, which you could call, so, I mean, they had a language, they had a calendar. I remember in 2012, all the fuss about the Mayan calendar um, and possibly predicting some an end of the world. They, did, they didn't view it as some absolute end of the world, I don't think. And it was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it doesn't matter, but... But I mean, yeah, they they have uh, several different creation traditions that were kind of thankfully recorded amongst all the stuff destroyed, you know, because they had a written language uh, yeah. by the Spanish. One is the Popol Vuh, um, and Thomas Ballantine. He wrote a book called "The Maya's Own Words." He translated a passage about. Um, the creation myth of the Kiche Maya. Um, and one of their, you know, prior to humans, um, there were these dwarf-like beings. That was the Alush. Uh, the creation narrative told in Yucasan also tell of a world before the present when the gods fashioned a race of dwarves um, mm. from mud so that these creatures would worship them. The dwarves possessed eyes. They could see the ends of the space and time. Uh, before the gods could even fashion wise for them, the dwarves began to ignore their creators. Rather than worshiping the gods, uh, they spent their time creating beautiful pottery, writing books of prophecy, and constructing magnificent buildings of stone. The dwarves angered the gods so much that they sent a flood to destroy the world. They also destroyed the false sun that gave the dwarves Dwarf's world, a dim light, being possessed of a keen intellect and foresight. Some of the dwarves managed to escape the water by stepping into ledges and caves in the Puk, I think the P-U-U-C, hills uh, where the hunchbacks live. Hmm. While the dwarves were hiding in caves, the gods fashioned a new sun and new intelligent beings to live on the surface of the earth and worship them. The gods made these human beings from corn placing smoke in their eyes so that they would not be as clever and far-sighted as the dwarves. And when the water subsided, the earth became a place of corn farmers. Um, Interesting. When the surviving dwarfs left the cave to venture out into the world again, the new sun immediately burned them and turned them into hard clay. 
Today, many Yucatec Maya believe that the small clay figurines found in the ancient ruins are these refugee dwarves. So, yeah. Uh, this also gets into some of the other names. We laughed at some of these when we talked about it before. Um, the Yucatec Maya, the words for dwarf connect the Maya creation myth um, and the pre-Columbian image of dwarves to modern narratives and rituals that focus on non-human dwarf called the, the Alush, plural Alushob. The following list contains some of the vocabulary. I'll get into some of these. That's K apostrophe A-T. I think that's pronounced cot. Uh, dwarf, potter's clay. Cot pocot. Uh, earthen jar. There's a word called ak, which means turtle. Uh, kiss. Wild pig's navel. Um, very funny descriptive terms they have for them. Um, I'm waiting for the funny one. Yep, here it comes. Hickis loom, earth farter. Earth farter. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, and then there's Alush, of course, which they just yeah. define here in this article as mythical dwarf. And again, earth spirit. Um, so we're getting into the elemental thing there again. Uh, deformed, twisted. That's Ushbil or Uchbil. I don't, I don't know how Mayan pronounce some of these. Uh, and Zion Winnicobe, hunchbacks that were turned to stone. Yeah. Hmm. So that sounds See, rather yeah. tr- trollish. That that sounds like a troll to me. Yeah. You know, a hunchback that turns to stone. Yeah, I just love the earth farters, man. If you've learned <laughs> anything today in this podcast, you have learned that dwarves in Maya land are called earth farters. Yes. Oh, yeah. My inter- so, yeah, there's the Alush. Yeah, the Alush. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but... Another one that fascinated me was the little people of Pryor, partially because I spent a little bit time of time up. Where is Pryor Mountain? Uh, it is in Mon- eastern Montana. Okay, the Pryor Mountains, I think, and it's. Yeah. Um, I spent a little bit of time up there on the Crow Reservation, and I stayed with a pastor and his family, um, and. Just learned a little bit then about the little people of Pryor, but um, read more about them later and found uh, an old interview with a chief. It's a, it's a book. It's a complete book. Um, hmm. Plenty Coos, Chief of the Crows. Plenty Coops. Uh, coop being a French word that meant to strike. Uh, Plains yeah. Indians had this cult, had this uh, custom in warfare where, yeah, you can kill your enemy, but it's even better to go up and pop him one and get away from him. All right, well, hey, uh, Paul's there. Let's let's talk about that for a second because, anyway, I, I've I was talking to someone the other day uh, about that because when I was in Spain after I graduated from high school, there's a game that they play when when, when you run with the bulls. And part of the the game is they release them in the streets. You know, you run mm-hmm. with them and you run, you run ahead of them and you try to get away from them. But you also you sit up on the sides because they put these rails up all along the shops. They have to. The bulls will go through the shops. Yeah. So they put these rails up and everybody sits on the rails. And bulls are forward-sighted animals, so they only see straight ahead. They, they have no peripheral-type vision. And so that's why they have to constantly turn their head to look you straight on. Which yeah. is, but but one of the games that that the Spaniards would play that they taught me is was to jump down and try to kick the uh, the bull anywhere, but particularly his genitals, and <laughs> and and so that reminds me of that. But let me add one more thing that, and, and you know, I have to bring this in. That also reminds me of the devil's game with the occult of how their goal is to disclose like reach out and touch you but not get caught you know yeah. with their disclosure things and with their rituals and who they are and all that kind of stuff like hiding in plain sight and yeah. so that's a really a fascinating principle or technique I, I just see a i see a pattern there is what i wanted to point out but yeah keep talking yeah. about the little little people yeah no that's cool that's a neat rabbit trail connection there yeah but but yeah, okay, so 
yeah, the, the Crow have a tradition of these little people that live in the Prior Mountains. Um, and uh, What's their size? Oh, I, I don't remember actually hearing their size. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but. What's the size of a pygmy? Do you remember? I, the word is related. I'm, I'm going to get to them later. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the word there, is related yeah. to this term similar to cubit. So okay, okay, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, the little people of Prior Mountain, you know, they were like, and yeah, Native Americans have lots of little people stories. I mean, that would include the Maya, who we just talked about. Yeah, indigenous peoples of the Western Hemisphere. Um, well, and then the infamous Cherokee. Little people, I forget yeah, their name. Little people, me too. But uh, I, yeah, I was just really more focused just because I had this personal connection here on the yeah yeah the um, the little people of Prior Mountain. Anyway, Chief Plenty Coops was interviewed by a guy named Frank Linderman, uh, I believe, in the early 1900s for this book, and he just he talks about his encounter with the little people of prior mountain. Um, does this book still exist? Can I like you get it on Amazon or maybe yeah, find it on, it on internet archive, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. Is, public domain. It, okay, cool. Yeah. It, I'm probably going to buy it one of these days. Um, there, there's newer editions of it and yeah, you know, Frank Linderman, um, plenty, plenty coops, chief of the crows. Um, yeah, he just talks about a lot of their, their folklore and, and even just stuff like archery, how he learned archery, if you're into stuff like that. But anyway, um, you know, when he was a young man, his people were um, together. He was he was a kid. He was like seven or eight years old. He just found out that his brother had been killed on a raid against the, the Lakota Sioux, you know, their enemies. And he yeah. was just really having a lot of trouble. And he... He decides to go up into the Prior Mountains area and and do a vision quest with some mm. other guys, and you know, kind of starves himself. You know, does the usual thing, fasts, um, and eventually is shown this. Um, let me find it here. He's given some sort of a vision, isn't he? Yeah. It, yeah. It, um, the let's see here. You know, the day was hot and naked. I began walking up to the top of the mountains, crying for helpers, but got mm. no answer, no offer of assistance. I grew more tired as the sun began to go down toward the west, and finally I went to my bed, lying down so my feet would face the rising sun. Uh, when he came again, weakened by my walking and days of fasting, I slept, remembering only the last rays of the sun. As I went into his, as he went into his lodge, he's speaking symbolically here. Um, when I awakened, I looked and I saw that the seven stars, the Big Dipper, had turned around. The star that does not move, the North Star. The night was westward. Morning was not far away, and wolves were howling on the plains far below me. I wondered if the village would reach the Little Rockies before the night came again. Plenty coups. My name was spoken. The voice came from behind me. Back of my head, my heart leaped. Leapt. I think like a deer struck by an arrow. Yes, I answered. They want you, Plenty coups. I have been sent to fetch you, said the voice yet behind me, back of my head. I'm ready, I answered. He stood up, my head clear and light as air. The night had grown darker. I felt rather I felt rather than saw some person go uh, by me on my right side. I could not tell what person it was, uh, but thought he beckoned me. I'm coming, I said. But the person made no answer and slipped away in a queer light that told me where he was. I followed over the same places I traveled in the afternoon. Okay, so yeah, this person, this presence leads him to this lodge. On one side of it, there's normal-sized people who represent things like storms and and weather and, and things like that. On the other side, the dwarf chief, he calls them. 
I looked into his eyes. He was a dwarf person, chief of the little people who live in Medicine Rock. That's the Prior Mountains, which you can almost see from here, and who made the stone arrow points. I now saw that all on my side were the same as he. They were all dwarves, not tall as my knee. Okay, so yeah, significantly short here. Um, this is a, you know, about up to the average average grown man's knee. Well, <laughs> you, you you need to also think about this too, and and this is not stereotypical. This is just a cultural fact. Average Native American is about two to three inches shorter than a Caucasian. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dwarves are little people. This is Frank Lindemann speaking. Um, our legendary beings supposed to possess great physical strength. In the story of Lost Boy, a crow saw one of the dwarves shoulder a full-grown bull elk and walk with it on his shoulder. They dwell in Medicine Rock near Pryor, Montana. The little people made the stone arrowheads. Okay, so they passed on that knowledge to them. Wow. Um, all the tribes of the northwestern plains with whom I am acquainted possess legends that deal with the makers of the stone arrow points, which are scattered so plentifully over North America. Um, so, yeah. So, they yeah, had a supernatural strength. It's like they were yeah. little people, but they were giants. That's fascinating. Yeah. So in this encounter with them, they basically tell him how he's going to be a great warrior. He's going to count lots of coups and, and tell him what he needs to do, mm. kind of give him his, his, his medicine, so to speak. Um, and yeah, so that just gives you a taste there of, of, he had a second encounter that's not directly related to the little people, but he talks about them. He talks about seeing kind of a tunnel or leading to prior mountains. Um, the beings he encountered don't seem to be little people, but these were kind of his, they, he calls them his helpers. So they, they would have been involved. Um, and in this encounter, he actually cuts off a tip of his finger to kind of summon mm. uh, beings. So, yeah, we got kind of that spilling blood. sacrifice. Blood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it is, this is interesting. After he tells that first story, um, Linderman writes, Here the old chief, as though struck with remorse, turned his head aside and whispered, Oh, little people, you have been my good helpers through a long life. Forgive me if I have done wrong in telling this to sign talker. That's what he called Frank Lunderman. I believed I was doing right. Be kind. I shall see you very soon and explain all. So, yeah, he's afraid of the, you know, he he's worried that he shouldn't have blabbed the story about the little people mm. and apologizes to them. And later on, he even whispers a little, um asks them permission to continue telling the story to. So, yeah, he's kind of afraid of these people. He he doesn't want to lose their power. And um, so, yeah, we talked about that. People are afraid of kind of pissing them off. Mm. Uh, that common characteristic. So, yeah, the little people of Prior Mountain are one of these groups. So, yeah, those are just just two examples. The, the Hawaiians have this group called the Minahune. Yeah. Um, we're, we're much the same. Um, small people, you know. Uh, Do they, they, they have the same mythos that if you see them, you, you might have bad fortune, bad luck? Is I that, believe so. Um, yeah. You know, they, they built temples and fish ponds and canoes. They were superb crafts people. Um, there goes that knowledge again, that secret yeah. knowledge. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just we could go on for days and days about the different um, brownies. Though brownies, I read, were originally human size, and later um, traditions were shrunk down for whatever reason. I, th I thought that was interesting. I read were they about them. cursed? Maybe. I mean, that sounds like a curse. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, it may be more. They just changed the description of them over time i i, I hmm. don't know um yeah uh, there's leprechauns of course that may be a, a fairly new term yeah associated with the the roman lupercalia which which has connections to pan mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. Lupercalia celebration. But yeah, we know about them. Let's talk about Spirit Mount in Vermilion, South Dakota. Okay, Tell us about yep. that. Well, this was a... Um, okay, so yeah, it's in Vermilion, South Dakota. You can go to it today. And Lewis and Clark actually visited in their, their uh, explorations in, in North Dakota. It's, it's, uh, the Sioux claimed that it was a, a dwelling place of the little people. Obviously, Lewis and Clark didn't see any there. Yeah. So what about them? What about them kind of drew? I mean, you know, we're kind of just going over specific small little people. What about them took your fancy or, or did, you know, that caught your eye? Well, I, I just I thought the the Lewis and Clark connection there was, was pretty, yeah, interesting yeah. and and yeah, just they, they mentioned it. Around. Lewis and Clark mentioned that in their diaries or their yeah, documentation. Yeah, they did. yeah, wow, they did. Well, we all know about mounds. I mean, we you know, yeah. at least in our belief, I'm sure I in my belief, and and I don't want to speak for Lindsay, but I think his too is that. These mounds in the United States are not originally what we would call Native American. They go further back than that. And if you really probably dug deep enough, you would find more ancient cultures than the Native Americans. Well, to refer back to our They Might Be Giants episode, um, one of the old newspaper clippings we found that we referenced in there talked about finding pygmy remains yes uh, by some giant remains so yeah i mean giants and little people seem to go hand in hand and yeah may as well jump to the whole pygmy connection yeah yeah let's go let's Um, go there yeah so yeah the greeks spoke of this group that they place in different places mostly in africa and India, I think, and the pygmy peoples, the, the actual ethnic groups. I don't know if some of this was based on them hearing about them or... But no, these groups sound more supernatural. I mean, these sound like, again, mythical beings. Mm-hmm. Mythical doesn't mean not true, <laughs> as right. always. Right. But yeah, the the... the Pygmies, you know, the term pygmy comes from the Greek. You know, they're they're referenced by lots of people. Uh, well, it's used now more as just a generic term for a small yeah. person. Yeah, because yeah. like they called on some of the islands, the, the, the little small natives on islands that were short, they called them pygmies, even yeah. though they weren't, weren't yeah. Greek. And yeah, it can be a very insulting term to a yeah. lot of people. Um, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it comes from these... These uh, beings that the Greeks spoke of, um, Homer talks about them, hmm. uh, how they, they battled with the cranes for some reason. Hesiod mentions them, that they, uh, they live near the Libyans, so that place is, for him, at least in Africa, um, yeah. huge Gaia and bear these to Epaphos, soothsaying people. Knowing, uh, this is from Hesiod's Catalogs of the Women, knowing seer craft by the will of Zeus, the Lord of Oracles, but deceivers to the end that men whose thought passes their utterance might be subject to the gods, to the gods and suffer harm. Uh, Ethiopians, Libs, the mare-milking Scythians. For verily, Epaphos was the child of the almighty son of Kronos. Uh, Chrono um, Saturn. Yeah. From him sprang the dark libs and high-souled Ethiopes, um, and the Katudaioi, the underground folk, and the feeble pig pigmaioi. All these are the offspring of the Lord, the Lord Thunderer Zeus, as the father of Epaphos. So yeah, hmm. uh, these Greek little people were viewed as descended from Zeus. Some of them say they were descended from Gaia or Gay, you know, the the original Earth goddess. So yeah, yeah. there's your kind of pre-flood ECW connection with the little people there. The Greeks seem to think 
that they were descended from the gods in some sense, whether well, the and- gods or the the earth, the the titan, the, the gods, the titans came from. Well, yeah, and see, that goes back. I was thinking about, uh, remember when we were investigating the little people, we found that there, uh, a guy named Berger, I, I think it was on the island of pa- Paulua uh, or something like that, Paulua, mm-hmm. and they actually named this group of little people Homo Florensius, I think. Yep, Homo Florensius, yeah. And yeah, so they found actual remains of yeah, something of, that's not Homo sapien. Yeah. I have very little faith in this computer stuff where they add skin and flesh to these yeah. images and make them, they made them look like little, little, you know, animals versus any sort of a bipedal human, you know, humanoid. But what I find fascinating about that is, is how, and I, I can't remember the place where those giants were buried with um, pygmies. Was it in Mississippi? One of the mounds in Mississippi that we, dug up or was it somewhere else i i can't remember that was too far back again yeah but but uh it just seems like that this story of the little people particularly the pygmies that's why we kind of saved it for last just goes to show the the correlation between the pre-flood uh the pre-flood oriented cryptid slash beings and in the after flood and and how basically the Nephilim and and these watchers tampered with DNA and created hybrids and did all that sort of stuff yep. because the pygmy seems to be a sort of a Nephilim or a hybrid that they tampered with DNA, had the yep. technology to, to tamper with DNA, which is obvious. I mean, you know, the angelic intelligence is far superior to ours and they have a lot more knowledge and it, but it also goes that the the pygmies were were promethean in the sense that they brought the knowledge to us us humans too as well as the well, Nephilim. cultural heroes yeah. anytime yeah yeah anytime you see that there's that pre-flood nephilim connection i i think well yeah i mean i personally think that they're an offshoot of the nephilim you know yeah. possibly i mean it's a very Anthropologically, it's a very good possibility that they're an offshoot of the Nephilim. We in the Bible we have an indication of Nephilim only being giants, but but there's an interesting thing that was brought out to me this past week is the 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 standard myth of Nimrod becoming a gibberer, which means giant. It never really says that he became a Nephilim. It says he became a gibberer. And so We we always equate Nephilim with the giants, but what if Nephilim is kind of like Elohim? What if it is a a species? Is that the right word, or or maybe a uh maybe not species? Yeah, maybe maybe it's like a species. Species works, yeah. And there are different types. You have giant Nephilim. You have little people Nephilim. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just throwing out, you know, shade tree theology. I'm just speculating because, I mean, that's all you can do with a lot of this stuff. But but maybe the yep. the, tax, the taxonomy here, uh, because they do, they sound a lot like Nephilim in, in a lot of the characteristics that you pointed out, particularly the, the, the Promethean impulse to give knowledge to man. Yep. So I wonder, yeah, I wonder if they're less cryptids and more possibly, you know, just... Nephilim. I mean, I know people are already think that Bigfoot is a form of Nephilim. Yeah. Uh, so an interdimensional being like that. And and what if these these little people are interdimensional yeah. beings too? Um, that's why you don't find bones. That's the big thing people yeah. bring up is, where are the bones? Well, a lot of them are in the Smithsonian. We know that. But uh, where are the bones for the little people? Uh, well, they were under Earth people. We don't know what is under our Earth. There is yeah. a basically a huge river right in the smack dab in the middle of North America that that we've uncharted the I forget what it's called. It's the tunnels with the water. What is it called? There's a name for it. Um, aquifer, aquifer. I think they call it. Yeah, aquifers. aquifer. Yeah, aquifers. Straight dab, you know, right down through mid the Midwest. And mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, I like your comparison there, particularly with the pygmies. But that leads to the other little people as well. Uh, you know, just like 
we see Nephilim in South America. We see Nephilim in North America. We see ne- in Africa. Yeah. Different parts of the world. We see indications of these these giants that were rulers, uh, the Polynesian islands, uh, Easter mm-hmm. Island. So why couldn't these little people we just discussed, this? let's just wrap it all up in a neat bow and just basically say yeah. perhaps they are a species of Nephilim. I don't know. I mean, and, yeah. and this can be refuted. I'm not a scientist when it comes to this, but this is just me kind of speculating. But that would be an interesting twist on that and my i guess my big question now Lindsay, and and, and i'm sure you've researched this where are little people mentioned in the bible in the word of god well yeah they they kind of are i it's i'll be honest it's not a strong besides besides zacchaeus the wee little man you know (laughs) yeah 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 or or just the literal people with dwarfism that were forbidden from taking part in the sacrificial life well there could have been a play there too with the little people with that too you know you you had it was all about purity in the jewish holiness codes and and rites and so it might not have just been the disease dwarfism it might have been an allusion to the little people as well i'd be interested in studying that hebrew word and seeing what it indicates the morphology of it yeah well yeah there is a hebrew word i've got to find it again it's in Ezekiel, I want to say it was. Hold on, I've got it. The Gamadims were in thy towers. They hang their Ezekiel 27. All right, I got to find something better than the. Hold on, I'm pulling up my blue letter Bible. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep this. This is the Geneva Bible, 1599. But the footnote that is, they of Cappadocia, or pygmies and dwarfs, which were so called. Because that out of the high towers, they seem little. Well, yeah. Ezekiel what? Ezekiel 27, 10 through 12. The Gamadims are some of the the rabbinical literature. It's interesting. Considers them um, to be possibly some sort of dwarf pygmy type race from Kaftar, which I believe is Cyprus. Yeah. Uh, so it yeah, there's one there's, one time in the in the Bible. Yeah, when that, Yeah, that's the closest that I could come to anything possibly biblical. They may have just been normal people from from Cyprus. Yeah, something about the Hebrew word can indicate a, a, a length of measurement or something like that 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 gave people this idea that they could have been pygmies or something like that. Um, so yeah. The Bible doesn't directly reference them. But the elemental connection we talked about, the, the elemental connection to me is, is kind of a connection. If they're a part of those elemental spirits, Paul mentioned yes. in yes. Galatians and Colossians for sure, um, possibly some other places, then they're, they're just a part of the, the Nephilim, the gods, the... yeah. The, the hidden caboodle of fallen angels, Nephilim, demons, not all the same thing, but all on the same side that yeah. were worshipped as the gods later and, and would have been included on some of these earth, as a part of the earth spirits um, that were worshipped by people. A lot of the protector deities, the um, the Lare of the, the Romans, which weren't depicted as, as little people, but they're sort of protector deities, hearth, or, or or home spirits, household deities. Yeah. So, yeah, to me, that's a connection. You know, look up the actual Greek term. Well, 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 let me tell you this. I'm looking up um, the Hebrew here. I can't, it's Gome, the root word for the, ga, how do you say it? Ga, the the Gamedines. It comes yeah. from the word gomed or gomed, and mm-hmm. it means to grasp properly a span, a cubit. So yep. it's a measurement. So I don't want to read into the Hebrew, but there could be a possibility of them being shorter. Yeah, they were shorter, shorter people. Shorter people. And I don't want to sit here and say this in, in, emphatically, you know. Uh, yeah. 
that could have just been shorter on average than other human beings. Again, right. It's not a, it's not a exact thing there. But, but the, the the interesting thing about that though, is we won't, we don't want to demythologize the Bible. Like we had, like we did for years, at least I did for years with, we are like grasshoppers in their sight and there are giants in the land. I always thought that was a allegory. Like we're just little weenie, pitiful people and and they're huge in number and they're mightier than we are. I took it more as an allegory and less as, you know, literal. And now I I mean, I can't read it and not see the fact that yeah. I mean they even the example of the grapes they brought out. Yeah. The giant the giant grapes and and uh that that had to have been done with secret knowledge of agriculture. I mean yeah. You know the giants were still existed as late as when yeah. David came. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They really were giants there. Yeah, I used to think, oh man, the the, the you know the the twelve spies, except for the two who weren't, were just you know they're exaggerating you know, this and that. Well, they weren't. <laughs> they brought yeah. back giant fruit. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, I mean that and we just bring this all back to to a neat little bow here that there's a very real possibility that Nephilim is is not is more and and how I see it, I could be wrong, is more like Elohim. It's just a yeah. a a species of spiritual being. It's not necessarily an angel cuz not all Elohim are angels and Perhaps Nephilim is in the same vein. You know, Nephilim is just a hybrid, and there were giant hybrids, and there were little people hybrids. I don't, I don't, I've never heard that before. Maybe we've come, we've stumbled onto something that could be a real, very real possibility. Yeah. And of course, it, like I tell you guys all the time out there, you know, eat the meat and spell out the bones. I, I mean, this is Hebrew morphology is not my expertise. I love languages, and I love, yeah. and I love Greek and in Spanish and different languages that I know, but I, but I'm not a Hebrew morphologist. Me neither. But it, you know, just shade tree theology and investigation. It seems like it could be plausible, in my opinion. So, uh, stoicheia is that word for basic. Uh, Stoicheon yeah. is that word for basic elemental principles, uh, elemental spirits. Yeah, yeah. It has an occult connotation. It does. Like elemental spirits. And and that's interesting because in our world today, uh, uh, I saw an Instagram post, uh, I think yesterday or today, talking about the, the influx in Hollywood of elemental spirits and and uh, yeah. how, how they're coming back through. And, and uh, that's just fascinating that the occult, I mean, they're on top of it. You know, they, they know what they know. And, uh, yeah. Well, are there any closing remarks we want to make about little people? I guess I'd like to say this. I'd like to say if you have any stories about little people that you have out there or any stories at all of any kind of supernatural thing that you've seen, any kind of cryptids or Bigfoot or UFOs or you know supernatural, paranormal, um, anything like that, you just shoot us an email. At yeah. Brandon at unrefinedpodcast.com. And just, we would love to, to have you on our show. Yep. We really would. And have you share your testimony and have you share your story. So we're, we're out here and we know the, the truth is out there to quote one of our favorite shows. <laughs> and thank you for listening to our ramblings about little people. We just thought it was cool and, and something that's not talked about a lot and so we wanted to dive in. Lindsay, what you wanna have anything you wanna close us out here? Anything you wanna say? There was I mean yeah, so much. This is as broad as the, the giants subject just because this is found in so many different cultures, which tells you yeah. something. Yes, which tells so you something. Little people and I, yeah, it just it just caught my fancy, and I was like, I just to do a little, probably more of a shallow dive, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, 
Yeah. We could have gone so many other places with this. And Well, but that's kind of our podcast where we're going with it. I mean, we like to take deep dives, but the, the basic gist or niche of our podcast is to introduce people to different topics from biblical worldview that they might not have heard before. You know, I mean, there's whole echo chambers out there, people who get all the nomenclature and understand all the buzzwords and all that kind of stuff. We really want to break it down for just the average Christian yeah. to, 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 to kind of see. We like to call them primers. So this was our yeah. primer on little people. Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally supernatural.